Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy. The only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Not sure how much sleep we got as a show collectively. Not we a lot. Just, just comparing, and uh, Not no, a lot. there, there, there wasn't that, much. Uh, did, did we run the disclaimer at the beginning of our show? I, I couldn't remember. Maybe I'm just a little bleary. Oh, what disclaimer? The 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 things comments, in your rearview mirror. Comments. <laughs> oh, oh. Comments of the the this show, the previous show. Not necessarily those of WTA. No, we, 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 we had that uh, in the show imaging at, at one point, but that was more, I think, intended for snark uh, on this show than, okay. than anything else. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how things unfold today. Packed show today. Uh, IA makes her return, and we'll be talking with Dwayne Lester coming up on the back half of the show today as well and see what his temperature is after a candidate that he was philosophically opposed to during the primary uh, one last night. But we start with a winner from last night's proceeding. Darren LaHood uh, was able to uh, win his first go-round as a general election and not a special election and has retained his seat as a representative of our district here in Illinois. And he joins us this morning. Darren, good morning and congratulations on the win. Hey, Sean and Quaid. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Great to be with your listeners. And, uh, I'm honored and humbled to have the support of the voters in my district, and uh, we ended up getting about 74%. This was our fourth election in 16 months, and uh, we're very, very proud of the effort we put forth and uh, happy about the results last night. I thought it was a great night for America. Yeah, you weren't able to quite convince eight out of every ten voters uh, in this part of the country to vote for you, but you almost got there. I I say that facetiously because this district, and and even more so when we get down to the level of Illinois House where Jill Tracy was just unopposed and and won in our district, this district seems to run contrary to the rest of a very blue state in Illinois. We watched as seemingly the whole state lit up blue last night, and yet you had this huge margin of victory. What is it about the mindset here in this area of Illinois that runs contrarian to seemingly the rest of the state? Well, you know, the district I represent and as I campaigned around, you know, people in my district are are people that are concerned about fiscal responsibility. They're concerned about, you know, ethics and transparency. They're they're concerned about jobs leaving the state of Illinois. And, you know, they want to change and and very, very frustrated. And and I also mentioned that, that people are you know, they're very dubious and frustrated with government at the state level and the federal level. They don't think it works anymore. Uh, and, and that's something that I've tried to reflect in my one year being in D.C., whether it's standing for term limits or fiscal responsibility or figuring out how we make government more effective, efficient, and accountable. I mean, those are issues that in my district I continue to talk about. I talked about in this election and my previous election. And, you know, taking on the establishment. You know, I voted against John Boehner's budget last year, against Paul Ryan's last budget. You know, we can't continue to go down this road. And, listen, I think the country woke up last night, and, uh, and we saw that. If you look at how Donald Trump did, and particularly the rural areas, 
in many areas of the country that were kind of forgotten about. He did extremely well, and I'm glad people woke up. Darren LaHood, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. I'm going to take exception with something that Sean said, that, that the state is is blue. I would say that, that huge portions of the state of Illinois uh, are red, and if you look at a county-by-county county breakdown, I think oh, sure. I, I think you'll see that. Uh, focusing back on uh, D.C., Darren, as you, as you get back, you're going to have a Republican majority in the House. There's a Republican majority in the Senate. You have a Republican president. Uh, this would kind of uh, tend to lead towards things taking a different turn and maybe getting some things done. Uh, have you had any conversations with your uh, uh, co-House members about things moving forward? Uh, Quaid, I think it's a great point. Um, and I, we, we've started those initial conversations. I've been texting with a few members. We're going to have a conference call this afternoon. But remember, um, you know, before I got to Congress uh, a couple years ago, the Republicans had the House and Senate, and there was a lot of promises made and a lot of things that were said uh, that, that were going to get done, and they didn't. And, and from my perspective, uh, I think the message from last night is we have to govern and fix problems. That's what people elected us to do. And whether that's getting a very stagnant economy back on track, more jobs, more economic opportunities. Uh, the Supreme Court's going to be vitally important in who we put on there. But, but you know, uh, we, have to, we have to show people that we got the message last night and govern. And I'm going to encourage my colleagues to engage in that process. And I am also, um, and, and hold our leadership accountable uh, in the House in particular and on wanting to move forward on these things. Darren LaHood, our guest this morning here on The Morning Meeting. Uh, Darren, this election nationally was a referendum about so many things, and it, it got so heated that I think one of the things that was left out that I think was really on a lot of Americans' mind was Obamacare and, and, and just how that has affected not only the economy but the state of insurance and health care in the country. Uh, Paul Ryan has espoused a different view uh, with, with his Ryan plan. Uh, what, are, what are you seeing? Do, do you anticipate this being one of the things that the House is now looking at? Are we in an era where the words repeal and replace are going to become reality? Well, I, I think we have to stand uh, by what we said in the campaign. And Donald Trump, I don't know if you remember, Sean, but he talked about on day one that, uh, you know, he would uh, repeal many of these uh, laws and executive orders. Now, obviously, Obamacare is a law. It was held up by the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. But um, we have to fulfill that, that campaign promise. I mean, in my district, in Quincy and lots of other places, I mean, premiums have just skyrocketed. Uh, none of the... Uh, promises that were made with Obamacare have come to fruition. And it's, it's a job killer in terms of no businesses or companies want to hire when they have to pay health insurance the way it is. So that has to change. Uh, Paul Ryan has laid out a pretty good plan uh, to replace Obamacare, uh, to bring a more marketplace ideas uh, into that, uh, being able to go across state lines for insurance. The bottom line is we have to get the government out of the way um, of subsidizing health care and get back to a more marketplace a market-based, uh, privatized system. And uh, I think that the Ryan plan is a good starting point, but obviously there's going to be a lot of eyes on Donald Trump and the people he puts in place around him and the agenda he lays out. But this has to be at the top of the list. Yeah, that was always uh, the thing. You mentioned that uh, voters had given Republicans a majority in the House and then a majority in the Senate. And then there was some, some talk that, well, we need the presidency as well. It, it's now happened uh, there shouldn't be a whole lot impeding getting a, a lot of the things that the voters have been concerned about done moving forward. I'm not going to say first hundred days, but very much so a plan for those first hundred days and beyond should be falling into place 
pretty soon? I would say uh, immediately, right? Uh, I, I, thought, I stayed up and listened to Trump's speech last night. I thought actually it was one of his best speeches he's given in the last two years. He's mm-hmm. very conciliatory. Uh, he was serious. He was measured. Uh, he talked about, it was a short speech, but he talked about, you know, getting serious about the job. And, and you look at an economy that's maybe a half a percent growth or 1% growth, so many of the things in our country would be solved with a pro-growth economy at 2 or 3 or 3.5% growth where we have a robust economy, more, that means more money to bring down the debt, more money for education, transportation, more people paying taxes, more money for, for construction and, and housing. So, so I think that needs to be the focus. I think it's also important to remember, you know, when Obama came in eight years ago, the country was in a, was in a much different uh, situation. We were in the, the throes of a depression and an economy that was uh, spiraling out of control. I mean, Trump's coming in now where he can lay out an agenda on the economic side to get things back on track, and I think that's what we need to focus on, and I would hope that he and his advisors start working on that immediately. There's a lot at stake in this country. Darren LaHood, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Darren, are you now comfortable in a seat that is looked at as a bellwether across the country in a conservative district to to uh, kind of account for the margins? This is, this is how well conservatives can do. This is how well Republicans can do. This seat, this district, has been looked at by many around the country because of numbers that Republicans have gotten in the, in the 70, 72, 75 percentile. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to, to, again, have four elections in 16 months to travel all over this district for the last 15 months campaigning in two special elections. Again, uh, you know, this is a district that I think reflects the country well. You know, people that work very hard, uh, people that play by the rules, people that have a strong faith in God, but they're not happy with government. And they want, you know, uh, if government needs to get out of the way uh, so that the private sector can flourish, that's what they want. But they want to be left alone in some ways. Uh, and, and want things uh, to, to get better in this country. And they're frustrated by the, the pace that we've had. And so, um, you know, just from my perspective, uh, and being one member of Congress, continuing to take those values, what I hear and see in my district back to D.C., and reflect that. And if, if, if we can pass legislation that helps move us, move us forward, great. If we have to stand up and vote against things and, and um, speak out when we, we don't think things are going the right way, I'm going to continue to do that. Darren LaHood, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Darren, I know you're busy today, day after the win last night. Congratulations again, and thank you for the time. Great to be with you guys. Have a great day. Take care. We'll be talking to him quite a bit in the future. It's Darren LaHood, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. That was one reaction last night. It was a totally different reaction on many liberal campuses across the country as the election results started to pour in. We'll have our on-campus reporter next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTA. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTA. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Secret squared with you this morning. Is this is this what it felt like when the Cubs won the World Series? Because it had been so long since you really had know. a major win, like an upset win. And people would say, well, they were favorites. Uh, with, uh, it, they were they weren't favorites against 108 years of history, though. right? 
So you have a lot of history uh, recently, electorally, and it, it felt like a huge upset, and it was a huge upset uh, last night. One of the, uh, yeah. Was it an upset? Well, okay, the only way that you can couch these things, and I know where you're going because we'll get here eventually, but the only way that you can couch that language of upset is against the predictions. Now, the predictions were all wrong, were way off, and the, and the, the root causes of that uh, we'll be talking about for a long time here on the morning meeting. But as far as the scoreboard was laid out, it was considered an upset last night. Okay, I understand. Okay, fine. Within that framework, I, there are those who are using the word upset to today. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Jim Hoff may take umbrage with that word. Uh, Jim and I have already gone back and forth. He is on the positivity train this morning. Oh, I'm sure I think he he's is. He's the one riding the unicorn and shooting the rainbows out of his hands. <laughs> Uh, this morning, get the podcast if you missed that reference yeah. from Monday. It's an entirely different scene, though, on many liberal college campuses around the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the return of IA, intern Addie, this morning on the morning meeting. Addie, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate the insight. What is the site today uh, on campus at the University of Illinois? And how did that mood sort of change as the unexpected started to unfold last night? Yeah, it's definitely um, not what I was expecting it to be personally. Um, it's definitely a lot of, I guess you could say, shock, um, surprise. I saw people visibly upset last night and kind of throughout the day. Um, just kind of the general consensus on campus was just um, very, very shocked overall. Um, and I think that kind of goes back with what you guys were talking about, was just how um, strange these polls are and how inaccurate they were and um, the predictions um, were just completely not what everyone was thinking. Um, In fact, I, when we had talked about me coming on the show today, yesterday morning, I kind of put together some things I had thought I wanted to talk about and I completely had to rework them because I was not (laughs) expecting this to be the outcome, which is fine. But um, I've, it's been, it's been interesting. I, um, I know in a couple of years I'll look back and say I'm glad I was in college for this moment, but at the moment right now it's kind of frustrating being a more conservative-minded person on such a liberal campus, I will be honest. <laughs> were, were, were you with the uh, the University of Illinois campus Republicans last night? I know they, ha- they had a, a gathering to, to watch the results come in. Yeah, I, I actually was, and I was with um, some friends, a bigger group of friends last night, and it definitely, at the beginning of the day, there was a lot of hope, a lot of, you know, excitement, I'm with her, I'm feeling happy for women, and then throughout the day, it just definitely decreased, and people really started to see um, the numbers come in, and it was kind of just, you could see everyone's excitement deflate, the room got tense, everyone got very tense. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting to see, especially now today, the reaction, especially on Facebook. I might have to take a social media hiatus because everyone becomes a political scientist professor the day after uh, the election on Facebook. And it's kind of kind of frustrating at times, but we'll see how it goes. Intern Addy joining us this morning here on the morning meeting. You mentioned how the mood changed while you were with your friends and watching this last night. What was that like for you, being an obvious minority? You're, you're a, a more conservative thinker on a very liberal college campus. You are a, a young woman who chose not to vote for a female candidate. There were all kinds of, of intragender politics going on on that front. And as their despair set in, I imagine 
even though you, you, you might not be a 100% Trump supporter, and not I think many people who voted for him last night, that's the case. They weren't. It was, and you did a lot of this research for us. It was a vote against the mm-hmm. other candidate. Uh, how, how did you have to play it in, in the room? Were, were they visibly upset with the fact that you weren't on Team Liberal last night? Were there, did their attitude toward you change as the unexpected numbers started rolling in? Um, kind of. I kind of stayed quiet a little bit towards the beginning. I didn't say too much. Um, people, I think, are aware I'm a little more conservative, but they definitely didn't hold back their opinions um, as far as them being upset and then being frustrated with Trump supporters and, um, you know, how they kind of perceive them as more, um, you know, racist, anti-immigrant, um, anti-immigrant voters. And I think I regret sometimes being quiet about being a conservative because I'm not racist. I'm not anti-immigrant. I'm not anti, anti, um, you know, gay, lesbian. I, you know, it's just I wish that conservatives were like myself, were more okay with being open about um, the positivity that this this election could could bring and um i i kind of regret sometimes being too quiet about it because i think conservatives have a lot to offer on such a liberal campus and i think i've been very tolerant towards um the opposing side as we all should be and i'm starting to see the intolerance now from the other side and that's frustrating to me because i've been very i've been very tolerant towards my um counterparts and now i want that tolerance to be reciprocated Completely uh, understandable. Uh, we talked about uh, the campus Republicans. Was there a discussion last night, or, or maybe I guess it may, maybe it's too soon? Uh, will there be a discussion moving forward about outreach to these other, uh, you know, uh, classgoers, other students who? I mean, in the end, this is an opportunity to show them a side of conservatism that they don't recognize. And ultimately, will they let you into their safe space to, to make that argument? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't have a safe space, so I'm going to have to use someone else's. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I hope that um, college conservatives will take that initiative to um, definitely extend extend the olive branch that Donald Trump is, you know, expecting to extend throughout the next four years, and everyone's wanting to him to extend, and I think that can be um, echoed on the college campus level, and I think that will definitely mean a lot for millennials moving forward. I think it's important that um, that can, that conservative liberal um, kind of coexistence, I guess you can say, is is going to be more apparent. And I hope that does happen. I hope that outreach um, does happen, especially on college campuses. IA, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. IA, hopefully those uh, at, with you at the campus of the University of Illinois are, are tougher and more resilient than those, I believe, on the campus at Yale, where an econ mm-hmm. professor has already made a midterm optional because of the stress of watching the other party's candidate win last night, and uh, students were just <laughs> freaking out. Are are any professors there sort of offering an, an, an easy out, uh, which if we're going to break that down, sends another wrong message in my mind. You have to be able to sort of roll with those bruises in life and pick yourself up in situations that don't go your way and not ask for a timeout. But have you, have you seen any of this uh, so far where people are asking for uh, special treatment, special favors because things didn't go their way? You know, I haven't, but I'm not going to say it's not going to happen because I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I just 
just because something doesn't go your way doesn't mean you get the day off. Everyone else had to go to work. Everyone else had to go to school today, whether they were a Trump or a Hillary supporter. Like, put your big girl pants on and get on with life. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's a representation of how emotion-based this election season was. And seeing the reaction, it's still such that emotional, those emotional ties towards one candidate or against one candidate. And I think... There's going to have to be a point where we're going to have to move past those emotions and actually start talking about the the issues, start talking about, um, you know, America's relationship with other countries, immigration, the economy. Like, when are we going to put those emotions aside and actually start talking about what needs to get done? And um, I think that's just a reflection about how how emotional this whole process has been for everyone. And um, hopefully those emotions kind of subside as we go forward. IA intern Addie, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Well said. Uh, that was better than at least one third of the uh, chattering class I watched uh, last night as the elections were rolling in. <laughs> Glad to have you this morning. Glad it worked out with your schedule. Continue yeah, to do well, and uh, we'll have you back on whenever stuff, it works Addie. out. Thank you. Thanks. That's uh, IA with us this morning here on the morning meeting. As we were both talking, and, and it's her experience is so interesting as a, a minor as a minority in her community. Mm. Let's let's face it. You're yeah. on a college campus. You self-identify as conservative or more <laughs> conservative than the norm. You're a minority in that situation. And and how her experience played out. Watching last night as I was channel surfing, I get caught in, in two modes. And tell me if you do this or as well. I'm watching for the information. Sure, but I'm also watching and kind of critiquing the presentation. Oh, sure, and and how it's done, and whether it was the big three or CNN or MSNBC, everything was. My God, how could we have been so wrong? And are we ready to to admit mm. that that we were so wrong and that we're so out of touch and and, and our, our process was so skewed, or we didn't want to acknowledge the fact that the country isn't moving in a continuously liberal direction? And so we just didn't talk about that possibility. And on balance, uh, I thought and I was most entertained by and educated by the the discussion that, that was on uh, the Fox News Channel. I want to know what their talent budget was for last night, because every 20 minutes they reloaded that that five person panel. And those people were all well-known power players. I, I, I just wonder what their talent budget was. For that sequence and, and series last night, because you saw the other networks sort of work with the same group of, you know, three or four people mm -hmm, all night mm -hmm. long. And it, I thought it really got stale. And, and you got some very interesting conversation on both sides, I think, going on. There. Well, what, what, it's interesting that you pointed out that, that it got stale. What that allowed to happen was the self-introspection. It took a while. But when you have the same people there over a long period of time. Yeah who are getting bombarded with news that they, A, don't want to see, and B, weren't expecting, after six, seven, in some cases, eight hours of it, mm -hmm. you saw them being worn down to the reality of the situation. You have to yeah. remember, a lot of the networks wouldn't call this until he was in the middle of his acceptance speech and said that he had gotten a concession phone call from from Hillary Clinton. Yep. It was only then in fact, that I, NBC, ABC, CNN would even give him Arizona, yep. Michigan, You're, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. I was watching the, his speech 
on a different network, and I clicked over. I thought, well, I'm, they're just actually rolling with it. I wonder what CNN's doing with this. And it was then, you're right, where they actually kind of broke in for a moment once he said that he had gotten the call from Hillary and declared him the winner. By the way, I don't think Wolf Blitzer has yet called Florida. Uh, so we're still well, waiting on him to they do were, that. We were joking that they were at least uh, two, three hours behind uh, everybody else. They, there was no, there was no acknowledgement, <laughs> no. of what you was could going kind of on. Flip around and, and everybody else's electoral college numbers more or less matched, and CNN's looked like <laughs> it was. It, it, was it, it was like somebody handed you a piece of paper to read your Facebook posts on. I mean, it, it was so. Out of step, and, 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 and being out of step, is I don't have a problem with that, but they were, it's almost like they, they thought if we don't acknowledge Florida, then it doesn't happen, mm. and, and the race can be to, instead yeah. of 270, the race can be to 251. Yeah, the, 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 one of the things, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this with Dwayne, but the liberal uh, media bubble Mm-hmm. got burst last night mm-hmm. and it was it was really something to see if you stayed up late enough to watch it to the end if you if you made it to 2 30 3 o'clock in the morning oh that it was it was so compelling and I realize this is something that that we're interested in and, and we do every day but to me it was so compelling not only the actual reality TV that was playing out, but you had the narrative changing throughout the night, how a static Mm. band of reporters Mm. was handling that changing narrative and watching everything evolve. It was fascinating last night. And this was, this was an unusual election cycle to say the least. And to watch that sort of unusual coverage last night, I thought was a very apropos ending. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we lived it Uh, for the last two years. We've, we've lived it. Uh, And and to call that election cycle is, probably expanding it beyond itself but uh, uh we've watched the, the the trump reality unfold certainly over the last 18 months and they got to the end of it and it's like the end of the story didn't go the way they they thought it would but it, it was kind of like a, obviously uh, many people in america knew that it would turn out this way you're right early on it was a party they were laughing, they were backslapping, they were goofing off, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of odd. It was, NBC was particularly guilty of this. And then all of a sudden, an hour or two later, you saw the concern. All of a sudden on social media, you saw a change. What's happening here? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. It, I can't remember the name of the female newscaster who sent out the tweet, all caps, it shouldn't be this close. Mm, like mm-hmm. to me, that really encapsulated yes. after the first hour of this is a coronation, not an election. Mm-hmm. It set in that that's not the case. And then that's when you knew that backsides were tight. Yeah. Uh, I. There's so much. There, we're going to be breaking this down for weeks. But Dwayne Lester uh, coming up with us as we continue this post-election right. day breakdown next here on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD.
It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Squade with you this morning. It's not often that media is interested in talking with a candidate who didn't win a race, but uh, we get a chance to do that this morning. Uh, Dwayne Lester, DwayneLester.com. Dwayne, I know that you didn't run for Missouri governor, but you were getting some last-minute encouragement to do so. How does it feel this morning to not have won an office that you didn't run for? You know, considering all the effort that I didn't put into the race and all the people who didn't volunteer and all the doors that we didn't knock, uh, I think we did surprisingly well, and I'm happy with not winning. Dwayne Lester, <laughs> DwayneLester.com with us this morning on the morning meeting. Where are you at this morning? You're, you're a guy who uh, has been a, a never-Trump guy. You're a guy who, who took a, an incisive, I thought, intelligent stance against uh, Trump, Trumpism, and, and populism in that form. Uh, you had mentioned you weren't going to vote for Donald Trump. He carried Missouri with huge numbers. Uh, where where are you at today? Obviously, you aren't a Hillary Clinton supporter, but water tastes the same, I assume, this morning for you. So wh- where are you at today after seeing last night's results? Well, I'm still trying to see if uh, the guy I voted for. See, I voted for Gary Johnson, and I didn't mm-hmm. like Gary Johnson. I remember I interviewed Gary Johnson uh, way back in, I think, 2008, mm-hmm. Uh, when I was just starting All American Blogger, and and because I was interested in the guy, I thought he had a great record as governor of New Mexico. And then I talked with him, and I said, "This guy's a nut. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to vote for this guy." And uh, I voted for him because I was interested in seeing if the Libertarian Party could get to five percent. Uh, because in my opinion, competition uh, in the marketplace is a good thing. And perhaps if the Republicans and Democrats were facing a third party that actually got some visibility, they'd put together a better product. Um, so that's where I'm at. I, I look at, I've been going back and looking at some of the things that he's promised uh, Donald Trump. And man, if he does some of them, that would be great. If he does some of them, that would be awful. Uh, one of the clearest things, though, that I'm looking at right now is the fact that he said he was going to repeal Obamacare completely. If he does that, if he walks back the executive orders that that President Obama wrote, if he redoes the negotiation with a, you know Iran, the Iran deal, if he does all that stuff, then you have to accept the fact that Obama's legacy will essentially be turning more state legislatures over to the Republicans, more state governors over to the Republicans, and walking away eight years later with more of the state government being Republican-controlled than it was when he started. That will be President Obama's real legacy if Trump does half the things that he says he's going to. That remains to be seen. I'm very curious to see who his pick is for Supreme Court justice and whether he picks someone uh, on that list or if he just begins his whole administration by saying all of that stuff before was just suggestions. Mm, I think that would be a, 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 a bad idea on a, on a lot of points. Uh, talking about uh, Trump and, and Missouri specifically, but also Iowa, uh, has Missouri ever been as Republican as it is this morning, Dwayne? Not that I can I can tell. I was I, I spoke with a friend of mine in Virginia, and he asked me about Missouri, and I said, you know, it was easily going to go for Trump. And I said the question that I had is how long were coattails, and they are extremely long. Um, right now, Missouri is as red as I I can ever remember it. Um, you know, the previous two presidential elections, the only people, the only Republican to win statewide was Peter Kinder, and this time 
they swept. So uh, all the things that Nixon had been blocking, uh, Greitens said that he will sign into law. So we're, we need to see what the fight's going to look like next uh, next year re- regarding right to work. Because that's going to be ugly. Uh, that may be enough to make me want to go back down there uh, and be a state blogger again, because that that will be uh, very interesting. I'm I'm curious to see if it gets as bad as Madison got. I don't think we're as uh, union heavy a state as they were, but it it could be very interesting in the next few years uh, to see what happens on the state level. You invoked the name Peter Kinder. Uh, Republicans won up and down the statewide ballot. And his name wasn't on there. I mean, is this a new era in Missouri, or was this just a case of pushback? Because remember, the Show Me State had the early show vote that went 72% or something like that to basically showcase the finger to Obamacare, so to speak. I don't think it's a, it's a new era. Um, Mike, Mike Parson is uh, the new lieutenant governor, and he's, he's, uh, he's not a real conservative, fiscally conservative guy. I remember... Uh, uh, writing some things about him when I was doing the, the Missouri torts that weren't flattering. Uh, but Greitens, the, the key is, will Greitens uh, govern as a Republican, as a conservative, like he says he is, or will he suddenly start reverting back to, you know, his his Democrat days? What, the most interesting thing about this race was we had a former Democrat running as a Republican and a former Republican running as a, as a Democrat. Uh-huh. So the question is, will we see the real Eric Greitens, or have we seen him the whole time? It's a lot like Donald Trump. Are we going to see someone change now that they're in office and say, well, what I really meant was and what I really want to do is, or are we going to see him say all that stuff? I meant it. Now let's do it. Because if Trump comes in and says, Department of Education, you're fired. EPA, you're fired. This is going to be game changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, I believe this, I, if I remember right, Carl Rove said last night that this is the first time since 1928 that on a federal level we've had a Republican president, Republican House, and Republican Senate. So now it's time to say there's no more excuses. Yeah. Let's get some things done. Uh, one of the things that last night's election did is kind of close the book on the clinton era hillary just uh, it looks like finished speaking or maybe they're just standing and applauding something she just said uh now she was supposed to give this speech over an hour ago which she couldn't even manage to be on time for last night's speech yeah so that tells you more problems she has but the end of the clintons on a on a national scale is it is it a too much to believe that we've come to the end of that road Dwayne? No, I think this is exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing the end of the Clinton era. Um, because, you know, the only thing left, I guess, would be for Chelsea to come up. And even John Podesta doesn't think Chelsea's that smart. <laughs> you could, you read that in the emails. Yeah. So I think um, <clears throat> if she does anything, Chelsea may try and be a factor. Uh, but Bill and Hillary, uh, they've got a machine set up. I suppose they can still influence things through that. But I don't think we see either one of them as a candidate again. Uh, one thing, I'm watching her concession speech, uh, her, her address right now on Facebook, and one thing that I think needs to be uh, mentioned is that I'm watching these emojis come across the bottom, and it's a split between the ha-ha emoji and the angry emoji. And I think that's a, a good way of, of explaining the country as it is right now. We're about as split as we've ever been. And so one of the things that, that we need to work on, and I don't know if Trump is the guy to do it, is fixing that split. 
we're we're as uh, fractured as we've ever been, and that is a problem. Now, his speech last night that he gave, I thought was outstanding because I expected, and Quade and I were talking about this uh, during the market report before we brought you on, that if you fought as long and hard as he did uphill both ways in the snow, you didn't even have the appropriate you know gear for the sport that you were playing. It seems sometimes. If in that situation a player makes a game-winning play at the end and spikes the football, I'm not upset with that. Now, I don't want to see him pick it up and spike it three or four or five times, but I was expecting him to at least get one spike of the football in. Instead, he was very gracious. He was very presidential in that moment, and I thought if if you kind of judge what he does as president-elect moving into president, I thought it was a good foot to get off on. Yeah, I agree completely, and it's not often that I praise Donald Trump. You know that, uh, but I watched the, the same thing, and I thought, "Wow, this is actually uh, uh, well done." And um, but he was reading at the same time. Oh, I don't yeah, know. You, you know, tell. you can yeah. see that oh, yeah. he he was reading the entire speech. That was not uh, that was a, a statement prepared for him. So I'm curious uh, to see how he how he moves forward because you know there are two Trumps. There's the Trump that's reading a prepared statement, and there's the Trump that. Uh, uh, is not that is not that nice. What does the DNC do uh, this morning, Dwayne? They got the opponent that they wanted in in, in Donald Trump uh, again, and you have that hand wringing of them picking you know our guy, uh, but they couldn't defeat the opponent they wanted with the the person that they had put into place. Is that more about the DNC, or is it more a failure of the media to 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 get that done? who's holding the bag? I think it's a, it's a great point you bring up. And one thing that's missed is while everybody's been looking at how fractured the Republican party is over, you know, with the never Trumpers and, but the Democrat party is as fractured, if not more, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you look at the fact that Bernie Sanders was a viable candidate in this. And that portion of voters in the DNC know they were cheated. They don't feel they were cheated. They know they were cheated. And so the DNC now has to ask themselves, are we going to try to bring those folks back in? Are we going to, you know, appeal to the socialist voters? Or are we going to try to get more mainstream and realize we are on the fringe right now with with who we're appealing to? I think if they want to win, they've got to really start the Tacking more towards the center, they've they've allowed their their party to be taken over by the '60s radicals, and they are not appealing to the middle class. Saul Alinsky would tell you that you can't scare the middle class. You've got to, you've got to bring them in and and make them part of the movement. And what you see in the DNC now isn't doing that. Just about 60 seconds left with Dwayne Lester this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, Dwayne, to that future landscape, I think it was Charles Krauthammer who said last night that you you have a liberal party in this country. You have, with the rise of, of Trump popularism, uh, you have almost a, a workers' party that's more of a middle of the road. We're concerned about economics things. And, and for the first time in, in quite a long time, the country's left without a true conservative party, at least as it would seem right now. Do you kind of read the 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 ground that same way excuse me yeah that's that's one of the reasons like like i said i voted for uh the libertarian candidate to try to get a book out there for free markets and free people uh trump is not a free market guy he mm-hmm. he, he claims to be a capitalist but he's not a capitalist he's a he's a pro-business republican and that's a big difference there's it's a big difference between being pro-business and pro-markets 
And right now, the Republican Party is pro-business. I think there's room for a pro-market party, and I think they would do well. Yeah, in fact, when we had Donald Trump on on this show, he told me flat out that he would be a protectionist uh, when it comes to uh, markets uh, here domestically. So we'll see if uh, he ends up following through with that. But a free market guy, uh, no, it looks like that's not actually going to be the case. Dwayne Lester, DwayneLester.com, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Dwayne, thanks for the insights, man. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, take care, guys. More coming up on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Just a moment left this morning here on the morning meeting. Sean Secret Squade with you. So much to unpack mm. from uh, an interesting night in a night that I think will give uh, pundits and, and, and politically motivated uh, pollsters, campaign organizers, I think it'll be giving them ulcers trying to understand what happened for many years to come. And if, if I could write just a very short, it would fit on a post-it note, note. it would simply say, Dear DNC, you did this to yourself. Uh, very much so. Um, the the media and, and and like we learned, the DNC and the media have kind of become one. And if you didn't believe that that was the case, if you'd have stayed up till two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, you would have seen it on mm-hmm. full display. Uh, and you didn't need a WikiLeaks uh, to to figure it out uh, either. We're going to be talking about this, breaking it down, moving forward over the next week. Two plus week. What tomorrow? Aaron Baker is going to come on. Oh, and, we're going deep in Missouri tomorrow. And, and he's already. It, it started. I guess it would have been earlier this morning. Uh, posting oh, yeah. on our social media yeah. that taking uh, a victory lap. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. That's how, a guy who knows how to spike the football. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk with uh, Aaron Baker uh, about that tomorrow. Craig Robinson. We talked about Trump's coattails. Uh, we're going to talk about Trump's coattails with Craig. We'll probably talk about it a little bit tomorrow as well, but. The media industrial complex breakdown. I, I think we're going to get into some of that tomorrow. Craig Robinson's going to have a lot to say about that as well. So, so much more to break down uh, under a president-elect Trump. And uh, they're not even finished counting the votes in some the, states. The Clinton era is over. I will be surprised if Rush doesn't open the show about talking about how the era of Clinton's is through. Yeah, this was a guy who had the watch that clicked backwards when Bill was in office. Um, you brought up, you saw some liberals, you said, going through, what, the five stages of grief? Five stages of grief. I just, I, I wrote them down because I'm, it, it, everybody's different, so I see people at different stages already. All right, we'll talk about that some more as well. Much more to come later this week here on The Morning Meeting. Morning Meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.